Whether the news you receive is good news or bad news kind of depends on perspective. For example, yesterday I was trying to do some work on the car and I needed to run to Napa Auto Parts to get uh, a tool that I needed. Bad news for me, Napa had closed at noon. Good news for the workers, they got to have half their Saturday and go and do something. Good news for them, bad news for me. A few weeks ago, we had a hurricane that was heading directly for us, and then it moved left some. That was good news for us. Still hit hard, but it could have been worse if it came here. That was good news for us. The fact that it shifted to left some means it hit other places more direct. Bad news for them. If you're a sports fan and your team is playing against another team and the star player for the other team is out, that would be good news for you and your team and bad news for the other team. Good news, bad news, it really just depends on perspective. In 1 Samuel chapter 31 today, we're going to see that good news is proclaimed. And we'll look and see, is it good news or is it bad news or is it both? It just depends on the perspective. For those who have not been with us, we like to walk through books of the Bible, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, and we are on the last chapter of 1 Samuel. As many of you know, in the Hebrew Bible, 1 Samuel and 2 Samuel are actually just one book, so if that were the case, we would just be about midway through or just over. But we're going to finish, Lord willing, 1 Samuel today, and then have a short pause in the New Testament going through a shorter book, and then we will come back and dive into 2 Samuel so we can hear more of David's story. If you're not familiar with 1 Samuel... There's been a, a lot about the nation of Israel, a lot about a guy named Saul, a lot about a guy named David, and some details of people like Samuel, or Hannah, or Jonathan. A few weeks ago we were working through the text, chapter by chapter. We had a situation where, where David had, had fled, Saul had Again, went after David in chapter 26, and David had the opportunity to kill Saul, and he didn't take it because Saul is still God's anointed one. And Saul seemingly realized his mistake, or at least kind of, because he never really seems to repent. And he told David to, to come back home. He said, David, I'll, I'll, I won't kill you any longer. And David said, no, I'm good. I'm good. I'm not going to come with you. And then... We saw that David in that moment took his eyes off of God and how God had delivered him over and over and over again from Saul. And in chapter 27, he fled to the Philistines. And we were about to see, well, what's going to happen with David there? And then the author of 1 Samuel broke in and gave us something different in chapter 28 where Saul went to the witch or the medium of Endor. God was not speaking to Saul anymore. Saul had hardened his heart against God. He would not obey God. And so he went to a witch, medium, to go and try to speak to the dead, which was against God's law. But Saul went and did it anyway. 
And he heard from Samuel, who came up and said, yeah, the same thing I said before is still true now. You've gone against God. You have not obeyed Him. You will die. Your family will die. And then, two weeks ago, we jumped right back into David's story. It keeps going back and forth. And David, the true and right king, about to become publicly the king of Israel, is living with the Philistines, and they're about to go attack Israel. And so David was going to go with them, and God intervened to make sure that he didn't go and he didn't attack his own people. And last week we saw how as David went back to his place where he was living outside of God's people among the Philistines, that his town, his place had been attacked, his wives were captured, the children were all taken away, and his men and followers became quite angry with him and even wanted to stick him. David then, as our song we were just singing, put his hope back in God, trusting in God, and God delivered him. They went and got their wives back and their children back and all kinds of spoil. And they defeated the enemies that had attacked. And as far as David goes in 1 Samuel, that was the end of his story for us. He returned back to God, and God blessed him. Now we come to the last chapter, and the story flips back to Saul. Follow along with me silently as I read the last 13 verses of 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter 31, beginning of verse 1. Now the Philistines were fighting against Israel. And the men of Israel fled before the Philistines and fell slain on Mount Gilboa. And the Philistines overtook Saul and his sons. And the Philistines struck down Jonathan and Abinadab. Malchishua, the sons of Saul. The battle pressed hard against Saul, and the archers found him, and he was badly wounded by the archers. Verse 4, Then Saul said to his armor-bearer, Draw your sword and thrust me through with it, lest these uncircumcised come and thrust me through and mistreat me. But his armor-bearer would not, for he feared greatly. Therefore Saul took his own sword and fell upon it. And when his armor bearer saw that Saul was dead, he also fell upon his sword and died with him. Thus Saul died and his three sons and his armor bearer and all his men on the same day together. And when the men of Israel who were on the side of the valley and those beyond the Jordan saw that the men of Israel had fled and that Saul and his sons were dead, they abandoned their cities and fled, and the Philistines came and lived in them. The next day, when the Philistines came to strip the slain, they found Saul and his three sons fallen at Mount Gilboa. So they cut off his head. And stripped off his armor 
And they sent messengers throughout the land of the Philistines to carry the good news to the house of their idols and to the people. They put his armor in the temple of Ashtaroth, and they fastened his body to the wall of Bethshon. But when the inhabitants of Jabesh-Gilead heard what the Philistines had done to Saul, all the valiant men arose and went all night and took the body of Saul and the bodies of his men from the wall of Bethshon. And they came to Jabesh and burned them there. And they took their bones and they buried them under the Tamar's tree in Jabesh and fasted sacrifice. Thus ends the life of Saul. It's what had been said would happen. And yet, as we read through the story, we come to this, and you should be hit with sadness. There's not a lot of positive things seemingly in this passage. It is sad. And as the songs we were singing today, there are times that life is just sad. There are times that life is just hard. As we were talking about in Sunday school today with the youth, we were talking about evangelism. And there are times that people die in this world and they never hear the name of Jesus. They never hear the gospel. They never hear how to be saved and they die apart from God forever. In hell for all of eternity. That's There are those who walk out of the doors of this church or other churches for the last time and say, I'm done with God. They never come back. That's heaven. There are marriages that were once fruitful and lovely that end in heartbreak. We have loved ones who are sick. We have those who are dying. And there are times that we are in a deep, dark place. And as we were seeing earlier, your God says, cry out to me from there. I'm with you even there. It's sad that Saul dies, especially the way that he dies here. But I would submit to you that there's actually something sadder that's in there as well. If you've been following along, you know where I'm going, by the way. John. Jonathan. For those who have been going with through with us, remember Jonathan? Jonathan has always been right there with David. He's always trying to serve the Lord. He's the one stepping out, doing the things that his dad Saul should have been doing. Attacking the Philistines, being faithful, 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 over and over and over again. And on the day that Saul dies, Jonathan's gone too. Because that's what was said when God said, if Saul turned and disobeyed the Lord, destruction would come on him and his family. So I was reading through the text this week and, and, and last week some. It's heavy. 
but I think I can pull out based upon a few comments in the text a place where we can find hope. I think these five areas in here point to hope for us in this sadness. And so as we were singing again just a few moments ago in those dark places, put your hope in God. Put your hope in God. You will again praise Him. And so let's look through and see maybe where some of these places are. Let me, again, just explain some things that happened here. David is now off the scene. Saul is still the public king. The Philistines, who should have been wiped out a long time ago, that's what Saul was raised up to do, and he didn't faithfully follow God. So the Philistines are now fighting against Israel again, which we knew was coming. David was going to be a part of that, but he's not. And then you could summarize the whole chapter with just verse 1. The Philistines were fighting against Israel, and the men of Israel fled before the Philistines and fell slain. That's really what happened. Everybody either ran or died. And then we see that the Philistines, they overtook Saul and his sons, and the first one mentioned that died was Jonathan. We're going to get back to him at the end of the sermon. And then we see his other sons. And so as the battle comes closer and closer, the archers, they seem to wound Saul. And Saul knows that he's about to die, and so instead of, like what happened with Samson back in Judges, he says, I'm not going to let them take me and humiliate me and all those things. You need to, armor bearer, you need to kill me. What's interesting is that used to be David's job, the armor bearer. But instead of doing that, he was afraid. The armor bearer was afraid, so he didn't do it. And so the great king of Israel dies by falling on his own sword. That's where it ended up with him. We saw it. He was, he was lifted up. And we saw it chapter after chapter when it switched to Saul and go to David. And we saw over and over again how he would continue to go into sin. Further and further into sin. Start off slow, like it always does. And then he just continued to go further into sin. And instead of being the king who gets to rule over, he's a man who falls on his own sword. The armor bearer then did the same thing. Now, the next day, this was common in the time after the battle, the Philistines came and they were coming to get the spoil. And the text says that they got to Saul and his sons. And they stripped him of their armor. They cut off his head, which reminds us of when David fought Goliath. When God's true king, God's warrior, beat the Philistines' main warrior. He cut off his head, and now the Philistines cut off the king's head. And notice what they did in verse 9. They sent messengers throughout the land of the Philistines to carry, what does it say? To carry the what? It's a matter of perspective, isn't it? For the Philistines, it's definitely good news. Finally! King that has killed many of them, because Saul did kill many Philistines, just not as many as David. And he didn't like that. But finally, we've got the king of Israel. And so, from their perspective, they carry the good news. And look where they carry it to to the house of their idols and to the people. They're going to take Saul 
and his body and his family going to go. And like we saw before earlier in 1 Samuel, that when a, a nation would have victory, they would take the religious items like the Ark of the Covenant we saw before, and they would take them and lay them basically at the feet of their God, saying, our God is better than your God. You remember that? Our God is better than that God of Israel. We killed your king. We took his head off. Little do they know that there's another king coming. There's another king that was already anointed. And he's going to come for them soon. And so they dishonor Saul and thus dishonor God. But notice what it says in 11 the inhabitants of Jabesh Gilead. That goes all the way back to chapter 11. As you might remember, the Ammonites were going to come and they were going to attack these people. And remember they said they are about to and they said, hey, 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 all right, we won't do it if you cut out your eye and you serve us. And Saul did a good job in that scenario. He went and attacked them. One of those glimpses of where he seemed to be getting it right and then he didn't. And so those men, the valiant ones, remembered what Saul had done. They said, no, it's not right for them to kill Saul and dishonor him this way. And so they all went and took the bodies and then burned them so they couldn't be dishonored any longer. And they buried them. Four things, or five things for you. In the text, here's where I see some glimmers of hope. Number one, God's word never fails to do what it says it will do. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 8 says, The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. When we see Saul dying and we see Jonathan dying and we're sad about that, where we should find hope is God said that that would happen. In fact, that was judgment from God on them for disobeying His Word. And so when kings fail, when pastors fail, when nations fail, when your mom fails, your dad fails, your wife fails, your husband fails, when everyone else fails, guess what? God's Word will never, ever fail. It's sad. But the way it plays out is exactly as God said. So, number one, find hope in that sadness that God's word will always, always succeed. The second thing I have for you that was an encouragement to me is those, those guys we were just talking about from Jabesh Gilead. They were thankful. <clears throat> They were a thankful people. Saul, God had used Saul to deliver them chapters and chapters before. And so when it came time, that thankfulness moved to action. And so the second encouragement I have from you, even in this sadness, is if we are a thankful people, then it should move us to action. And thus there's hope, because when we've given up, we've lost hope. But if we're going to continue on in action and serving God and doing what we know is right, then there's still hope. 
Thankfulness leads to action. That's the second encouragement. The third one would be the fact that Jonathan's mentioned. He was faithful to the end. What's interesting about Jonathan is he was right there with David. Over and over again, he helps out David, right? He's with David, but yet he also still honors his father. He does both. Even though his father kept trying to kill David, he helped David escape. He was with David. He was his partner. He prayed for him. He encouraged him in the Word. He encouraged him in the Lord. And at the same time, he didn't dishonor his father. The third encouragement I have for you is when it looks like things are sad, remember that God works in people and there are those who are faithful. Because he's Even when you look at the king who was unfaithful and died a terrible death, there are still those that God preserves and are faithful. The fourth and fifth one comes connected to this idea of the good news. If you remember back in verse 9, where they cut off his head and stripped his armor and sent messengers throughout the land of the Philistines to carry the good news. To carry the good news. At the end of the book of Matthew, where we were studying this morning in youth, Jesus tells us to carry the good news, the Great Commission, to make disciples of all nations. And from their perspective, this was the good news, but friends, that's not the good news. That's really bad news of what happened, at least from our perspective. There's generally good news from one perspective, there's bad news, and then there's the real news, not the fake news. Here's the good news as you get through this chapter. The good news is that the story doesn't end here. Like, in fact, in our Hebrew Bibles, we would just be continuing on in the same book. There's more of a break here for us in our English Bibles. This isn't where the story ends. It moves on in 2 Samuel, which we'll get to in a few weeks, moves on to the next king. And that shouldn't surprise us because even all the way back in Genesis, we knew that there was a king that was going to come. It was prophesied about a king that was going to come. And this scepter that he would hold would come from the line of Judah. Do you know that Saul is not from the line of Judah? You know who is from the line of Judah? David. In the right king at this time is going to come on the scene and he's going to lead God's people. Is he going to do it perfectly? No. But it's going to carry on from him to another king, to another king. And one day it's going to come to the true king. And that king never loses. That king never fails. That king died. That king even gave his own life. But he didn't stay dead. Right? Three days after he rises to defeat God's enemies, to defeat our enemies, sin, Satan, death, that king is coming. The story doesn't end here in chapter 31. That's your fourth area to find hope. And your last one, speaking of that king and speaking of John. We know that all people... If we were to give what we deserve, we deserve hell. Every one of us 
Because of our fallen nature, we are sinners by nature and choice, and we deserve hell. We deserve God's wrath. So in that sense, if we were to get what we deserve, everyone gets death and hell. But in this story, as we're reading through, when Jonathan dies, it kind of feels like he doesn't, he doesn't get what he deserves. It seems like Jonathan should have got the kingdom. Jonathan should have got blessing because he was faithful. He didn't get what he deserved in that sense. Let me give you some hope in the sadness here. Jesus also got what he didn't deserve. So in this way, Jonathan's a, a pointer to Jesus. Jesus got what you deserve. Jesus got what I deserve. And we get what Jesus deserves. Right? Known as the great exchange. He takes God's wrath. He takes the penalty for our sin. He takes that when he didn't deserve it. And he gives us all the glory and spiritual blessings in heaven. He gives us his righteousness, something that we don't deserve. Friends, the story doesn't end, and it just points to the greater story. So when you read this story or other stories, or you are in those seasons of sadness and sorrow, and you are so down. As we sang, put your hope in God. Put your hope in God and He brings you back through the Gospel so you will praise Him again. And we will praise Him again. And we praise Him again. And we go to heaven. And we praise Him for eternity. No more sadness. It points to a better day that's coming. It points to a better King. Father, we do thank You for this time in your word and we're thankful for this first section of Samuel, Lord. We pray, Lord, that you would teach us all the different ways that your word points to Jesus, the true King. Help us to see, Lord, where, where we're at when it's the scared Israelites or when we are unfaithful when we doubt, God, that you continue to be faithful. I pray for my friends that are here today, Lord, I pray that they would find hope in sadness. I pray that they would take the true good news of Jesus. And as the Philistines shared the true bad news with the world, that we would share the true good news with everybody. Help us to be a thankful people that moves to action. Help us to be faithful and hear your word by your spirit and move to action, Lord thank you that we don't get what we deserve, but we get grace. Help us to extend that as well to others. In Jesus' name.